Dimp Digital presents Idle Game Chat. from Dim Digital. Welcome to Idle Game Chat. This is the weekly video games podcast where we give our impressions of the games that you can play today and react to the latest news from the wonderful world of video games. We're here every Monday on your favourite podcast app and YouTube absolutely free. This week I'm joined by the illustrious two-time Fantasy Gaming League champion and the MVP in 2020 for the Fantasy Gaming League, it's that man, it's Hall. How's it going? It is good. It is good. Thank you, sir. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Can't complain. Very good. So, so as the guys are listening or watching to this, unless they tune into the live stream, which no one does, um, we're slap bang in the middle of E3. And everyone's scrambling to get all the latest news and reactions and all that shit. And I thought... I ain't doing that. Break that up. I ain't doing that. But <laughs> E3's back this year in a virtual sense, and I felt like it would be a good time to celebrate. And we've been talking for probably years now of doing like a dim digital video game hall of fame. Yeah. And uh, this is it. This is the first one we're going to do. We're going to induct five games today, the class of 2021. I wanted to do it last year because. 2020 new decade all that good stuff but really blew it dragged our feet yeah. we've had the games like confirmed like the first induction set of games for it feels like over half a year and just done nothing with it so yeah we we really I mean we like you say we've been discussing this for so long and we've just put off and put off and put off and here we are finally bothered to pull our fingers out of our asses and get on with it yeah so that's it five games that are going to go in for this year um, and then those of you who want to catch up on the E3 news that'll be next week providing nothing goes tragically wrong in our lives um, but we're here just to take a bit of a pause from all the madness and talk about some classic well maybe they're not classic video games we don't know they might be Fortnite might be in here <laughs> it'd be interesting to see whether of the five games that we selected whether there's any outcry of How's that made it in? You know, how's this been omitted? Because I mean, this is the first, this is the inaugural class. This is this is yeah. this is theoretically the best five that in our tiny collective brains we could come up with. So, got some bubbly as well to fucking top it off. A little off. bit of the bubbly to, to to really sign off the night. A little bit of the bubbly. Mm. <laughs> that's an interesting. That's yeah. an interesting point because if on your first try you're getting it wrong. It's queries. It's the easiest one to do because... Questions are going to get asked. Yeah. I mean, I've looked over the list. I'm happy with everything that's on there. I don't think... I think it's a great list. I think it's five games that... I think it'd be difficult to argue against any of them going in to the Hall of Fame. I think people's only argument would be, are they first... the the first class? Are they the first inductees into the... Let's be honest thoroughly well regarded Dim Digital Hall of Fame yeah and my view was that it's, it's, an, it's an impossible task to pick like the five most deserving out of all the, the hundreds and thousands <laughs> of games like my view was like would it would it get in one day 
yes, then it should it should be on there if it's been put forward by the committee, and that's what we've done. I don't think we've done a bad job, but the, the audience will soon tell us if we have. Um, <laughs> so let's get into it. Game number yep. one. So we're going from oldest to newest. We're going back in time. We are heading off to Nintendo Land because what Hall of Fame? Well, without Nintendo, off they're going to they're going to start totting up some good numbers as the years trickle on. I think just because they've played so many classics. But we're going to kick things off with Super Mario Bros. Three. Now, those who are, who are uninitiated or not familiar with this, they might be scratching their heads for and saying, oh, hang on, that's number three. Where's number one? Where's number two? So, I guess the opening sort of question is, why is, how's three got in there first? What's number three done especially well that, that one and two perhaps didn't do and, and set the precedent and got into our illustrious Hall of Fame? I think, so... To put it into some kind of context, let's let's be honest. All three of them are spectacularly good games. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. The Nintendo Entertainment System was the first console that started to make it sort of into every, almost every household. You know, it was the it was the thing to buy. It was the it was the first of the major consoles. Nintendo were in the market way before anyone else was. Um, for me, Super Mario Bros. Three was the best of the three. I think yeah. it it felt like I mean, because it was I mean it was it was the most polished of the three of them by quite a considerable distance oh, yeah. the previous two iterations had had Fireball Mario you know and the and the superstar the Invincible Stars and whatever this brought yeah. in different costumes brought in different power ups really st- started morphing Mario into the character that we know today in yeah. the newer games and I think so much was drawn from this original, from this one particularly, that it just stands out as being a cut above the others that were available at the same time. Mm. Um, and when you think of how much, like how the length of this game as well, like it's, oh, yeah. this was not a short game. Mm-hmm. You know, there was however many worlds it was, and the world <clears> map <throat> that you had to move around yeah, with, how brothers chased after you. There was just there was so much to it. And for that to be crammed into a, a NES cartridge <laughs> is an unbelievable feat of engineering. The game was just absolutely superb. Yeah, no, I would I'd agree with that. I actually recently played through um, all the Super Mario Bros. games from from the from NES. Um, mm. I've done Super Mario World as well um, on the SNES, but. I remember, I remember playing through one and two, and they—they they, they, like you said they're great games. They might appear one day in the future, but there's definitely three definitely stood out more than the other two. And one of the real simple things was the 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 raccoon ability letting you fly. Like yeah. how much that opened up the map, <clears throat> like these which, which historically just a two D side scroll, and that you could go upwards, sideways, and there you could hide all sorts of different secrets and and, and other bits and pieces in there. Uh, and the, the the tail that come with the raccoon also allows you to spin and hit enemies without jumping on them for once, which was was also a handy new bits and pieces and, and and gives you more combat strategies. And because of that, the enemies were were much improved and had uh, had new skills and other ways to tackle them. Like it it, it really was quite a, what a big step. I'm like you said, it's not a small game. I think it's like nearly ninety levels on there. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Like. 
it, it's, it's craziness. Um, the I mean the boss battles, particularly on Super Mario Bros. One, you're just fighting Bowser, Bowser. in a dungeon somewhere. Whereas you are yeah. you are fighting Koopalings in this one, but they're the mechanics behind them are a bit more thought out. They're, they're a lot more varied and whatnot. And yeah, they're all, they're all different characters, weren't they, in themselves? And it's yes. just like the amount of you'd went from, like you say, from Super Mario Brothers, the original one, where realistically the sprites that you had, you had the Goombas, you had the Koopas, yeah. um, and then obviously you had Bowser at end of levels, and there was a bit more to it in, in Super Mario Brothers 2, but this one brought in so many different types of enemies and so many different um, characters and bits and pieces that you could do. It just, it was such a huge step up, and like obviously you mentioned about the raccoon suit that you had, yeah. you had... You still, obviously still had the fireball. You had the tanuki suit. You had the frog yeah, suit. You yeah. had the hammer brothers suit. Yes, you know, yes. there, was, there was so much that was added in. It was such a, it like even it's just such a good game. And like you say, I, you, you obviously went back and played them. I've been back and played played this through, and it's very easy with games to get that nostalgia and then going back and being like well this isn't as good as I remember it being <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. this doesn't look this doesn't look particularly great nah. and I think I went in with such low expectations of this and it's absolutely brilliant and yeah. it still holds up it still plays well yeah. obviously it helps that it's so easily accessible now through all the virtual consoles and everything else that you can pick it up on any Nintendo console that you yeah. own, you know, right the way through to the Switch, it's still available now. So that obviously makes things easier. So you don't have to worry about booting up the NES and getting a CRT TV and uh, whatever yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's one of those ones. It's just a timeless classic, and I just think it still it still looks and plays so well today that I think it's well very very worthy of being the first game that's inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. The controls are pixel perfect design of the worlds and the actual levels are a top draw and for me it's like a really good example of <clears throat> iteration like we had yeah. Super Mario Bros 1 Super Mario Bros 2 actually is, is, is a bit of a black sheep I won't go through this story but those that know know there's a bit of like it's, it's a lot different to, to 1 and 3 and there's a, there's a good reason behind that it's because it's a reskinned version of another game and then the actual Super Mario Bros 2 which was released in Japan was coming come on the Lost Levels um, yeah. name, but parking that particular one aside, like that you can see clear iteration from one to three and and, and via two as well, and and this is what happens. You know, you haven't always got to come with the new idea. Like you can iterate on what's there and make it far better, and that's exactly what they've done with Super Mario Bros. Three and huge success. So in you go. Yeah, absolutely. Get no in. complaint. No. I don't think I don't think that one's going to have uh, I mean certainly maybe slightly newer generation of gamers that perhaps didn't play these consoles because I mean for me the NES was the first console that I properly properly played and properly owned yeah. and I'm sure you're you're kind of similar in terms of obviously being the same age group Sega was well, well, well but then what was the first Sega the Mega Drive I had the, I had the Master System when was that? Was that before? That was that was like eighties. Yeah, it was like NES. That was like the NES equivalent, and then Mega Drive and Genesis was like SNES. And, okay. But because we're always behind over here, it's hard yeah. to pinpoint exactly. And then and not only was we behind as like a country, we'd get it later. My parents were never getting me the latest car. I was always getting something from five years back. So I was probably <laughs> yeah. I was probably playing that in ninety eight. 
whilst people were playing the PS1. Yeah, no, it's, I think, like I say, there's not going to be a lot of complaints of pe- from people of our age or our generation, at the very least, and older. This is, um, is well worthy of, of making its way into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Next game on the list, a classic in my eyes, one of my, one of my personal favourite games of all time, it's Metal Gear Solid. Now, yeah, this is just, uh, and I've not played it for many, many years simply because it's difficult to play. GOG have released a PC version that you can you can play on like modern machines, which is cool. So I've been meaning to run through it again on that. But for me, there's some this. It's difficult to this bit hyperbolic the way I kind of describe this, but it really did change my perception of what video games could be. And I'm talking about from how how the game is presented, because yeah. the, the the excellent kind of narrative direction um, that was put in place, like it felt like it was a directed film almost at times when you had the the cutscenes and and the music and the, and the credits all playing, um, and that was all all very very beneficial. The the actual story itself is quite cheesy and, and over the top, but because it's presented in such a a way that I hadn't really experienced through this medium before at, at, at the time I was like oh right, so we, we haven't just got to be saving like a, a princess from a castle mm-hmm. with like text and like no no voice acting <laughs> I can actually want to play a film at, at this stage yeah. and like to have everything fully acted directed and fleshed out and all the characters to kind of it brought everything to life which is something that was probably missing in, in, in previous games that, that I'd played up until that point. You're not sitting there reading text conversations between characters going back and forth on the screen. Um, Metal Gear Solid kind of presents this, this grand narrative um, in a way that you can, you can passively enjoy. And really, I think what the, the, the main takeaway from Metal Gear Solid is, that, and this is without even sort of talking about the gameplay, is just that it, it really was the first game I was like immersed in. Like I felt like I was like there, connected to this game because it was presented in such a, such a familiar kind of way in terms of its film production style. What what Kojima did there, it felt big budget. It felt like playing a, a, a blockbuster title, which I couldn't say for many games sort of that I was playing at the time. Um, yeah, I think it's it, I, it. It's crazy to think that this was, ju- I, I say just. But just ten years after, well, not even that for us. It was seven years after Super Mario Brothers three. Yeah. And when you look at the difference between what was presented to us in terms of Super Mario Brothers three to Metal Gear, yeah. Oh, Metal Gear Solid. Sorry, I should say. Yes. Um, don't get them confused again. <laughs> but first one, probably one of the first games, if not the first game, to have proper voice acting mm. as part of it, like absolutely crazy to think back now like when was the last time you played a game that didn't have voice dialogue in in cutscenes etc but that was groundbreaking mm. the fact that it was on the playstation and playstation obviously ran cds rather than cartridges yeah. meant that so much more could be contained on that cd and yeah you had the loading screens and bits and pieces or you needed save cartridges to go with it but it was such a huge step on in terms of what could be done with that cd including being able to just have a video file cutscene included yeah. was absolutely massive. It made a huge difference to what was happening with games. And yeah. 
this you've only got I mean Kojima say what you like about him he's a crazy bastard he's a mad fuck and he's gone you know like Death Stranding is really him gone fucking berserk but when you look at the how again how many uh, franchises have had the success the unanimous success time and time again Mm. like the Metal Gear Solid series has I mean how many Metal Gear Solid games have there been now well, there's five numbered ten, ones, but yeah, there's, there's ten plus, yeah. twelve plus, and they're not ones that ever get reviewed poorly. Like you have some that are better than others, but they have consistently delivered, mm. and it all stemmed from this. It all stemmed from this one. This was the one that started it all, that brought it brought it to the masses. Yeah, no, I mean, no disrespect to Metal Gear that came before it on the on the NES and whatnot, but this no, was a, this yeah. was a different kettle of fish altogether. And then, harness the technology that's available at the time but like you simply couldn't do this back when Metal Gear was, was yeah. developed and this this harnessed that and, and it's kind of like after after I played this I was like the other games can't get away with these this throwaway attitude towards the narrative this is now becoming a part of the game and you look at where some of the, the best games of, of the last sort of few years most of them have a really strong narrative direction you have the likes of like The Last of Us Part 2 like 50% of that game's story base give or take mm-hmm. God of War fantastic game to play but again it's the story that, that, that probably kept a lot of people hooked uh, yeah. I, for me personally I trace a lot of that back to Metal Gear Solid for kind of making that change and saying and showing the world what, what can happen if you if you present yeah. your story in a way that, that's familiar to audiences and they can gravitate towards and, and get stuck into and, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good point that it made. It was one of those ones again that sort of took video games away from being something that children do to keep themselves occupied. To yeah. no, this is a this is a legitimate form of media yeah. that can be just as you know just as emotion um, like inducing as 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 film or television. Yeah. This is this is up there now. This is. This is where the future is going to be, and like I say, it's been it set the way for a lot of other games, like you say, predominantly story-driven games, to to be able to come in and do what they have done. Yeah, and the game itself, like I always always remember on the box or the CD case, I guess it was. Yeah. Tactical espionage action. I think, what the fuck is that? I used to read. I used to sit there when I was younger. I used to read it over and over again. What the fuck does that mean? And yeah. it didn't really mean anything other than it was the Metal Gear Solid game, and it was stealth essentially like that's the yeah. like if you boil it down to that and I think it helped it helped populate the the, the stealth genre like absolutely there's a lot of there's tons of stealth mechanics in the game so you've got those that layer into it as well and then you've got Kojima like up to his old tricks again like mm-hmm. I always always think back to the Psychomantis boss fight where the idea is that this guy uh, can read your mind he's, he's Psychomantis at the end of the day Therefore, yeah. every input you put on the controller, he knows what you're going to do. So he dodges it. You can't kill the fucker. The only way to kill him is to remove your controller from the socket of player one, put it into player two socket, and then Psychomatics can no longer read your mind and, and do it, and you take it off. So there's, there's fourth wall breaking stuff in there, but I felt like that sort it's of crazy. stuff. It's the one thing, it's not the one thing, it's one of many things that people always just remember about the game. It's like, oh, yeah. do you remember Psychomatics to change your controller over? It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> it's crazy, but it works. It's madness. That is madness, isn't it? Like, that's, like you say, that's proper fourth wall, like out of the box stuff. Mm. 
I mean, that wasn't rep like that kind of stuff wasn't replicated for for years. It was so far so far ahead of its time. No, the other one I always remember is that there's uh, Meryl, one of the characters in the game. You have to. Um, they talk about you're getting contact with her, and you've got there's like a, a codec frequency you have to type into the the codec. And the only way to get that frequency is to look on the back of the bot or the CD case. It's on there. And they, they key to it, they like, oh, try and check in your CD case. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Look on the back, and there it is, like 140.80 or whatever it is. I don't know what it is nowadays, but it's, it's crazy. And like outside of the crazy stuff they did, there was this, some, some great stealth moments in there, boss battles and soundtrack as well. That plays into the presentation side of things, like a proper good soundtrack to go along with it for all the cutscenes and all the action moments. It's just craziness, and it just worked, and uh, spawned a very, very successful franchise until Konami and Kojima fell out. But yeah. that's, a well, that's a whole different story, yeah. Yeah, but Metal Gear Solid, one of my personal favourites for sure, so I'm glad that made it in, um, particularly to the first class, because I think that, that can be important. Yeah. Okay, next one. 1998 there's a few here I think it's free in 1998 it's like golden year of video games and all, with, all within a few months of one another yes yeah it's, it's mad when you think of that um, Half-Life first person Valve what's Gabe doing what is he playing at <laughs> this is well I, I played this when I was younger and this was another another great game <laughs> yeah I remember this for like so console gaming was a staple in our household at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. We'd we'd had several consoles, we played fucking loads. Like I was ten at the time that it came out. Um I play like I say, was was playing on console constantly and I remember our PC that we had, which my dad had stolen from work basically because um, we didn't have our own home PC at that stage um, and we had Half-Life well we've, we had a CD for Half-Life and I don't know where it had come from I don't know where it was boot sale probably uh, yeah I don't know what where we'd got it from like this this like my, my parents had bought me like a um, a binder of, of games like yeah. CD games like, and it was just a mixture of random shit and there was all manner of stuff on there and one of them was Half-Life um, and I remember playing it then as a 10 year old and not having a fucking clue what was going on nah. couldn't do anything couldn't could bear didn't understand WASD didn't understand <laughs> yeah, cool, shit. using a mouse none of that and I remember just being like well this is shit I'm never playing that uh, just, a, just a quick roll at WASD I used to use the arrow keys yeah, well, this is exactly it. I used arrow keys for everything. Because the only few games that I did play, I always played on arrow keys because to my tiny little 10-year-old brain, that's what worked. Um, but, yeah, it was like... I remember I'd only really played, like, a few games on PC. Like, I played Mech Warrior. Oh, yeah. You know, SimCity and the like and bits and pieces like that. And, yeah, didn't didn't get into Half-Life, inevitably, as a, as a 10-year-old. And it was only later on in life that I then picked it up and played through it and played that, and I had Half-Life Two as well, yeah. and the orange and the orange box when that came yeah. around later on. And because they've got, I mean, the cult following they've got is just absolutely insane. Mm. But they're 
it, again, it was another game that was so far ahead of its time. It was unbelievable. And it was another one that was that showed that video gaming is not just for kids to keep them entertained. This is an adult. This mm. this is a thing for adults. This game was was for adults. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Yeah, I couldn't get through it without God mode. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to the console, bring that down. I remember I had to do that and then put God in, and it worked. Um, one of the only um, this is another big point why Half Life's in here. But one of the only reasons I actually went and got Half Life was because at the time. Counter Strike was a mod of it, and the only way you could mm. play Counter Strike was have Half Life in school. Through Half Life. So I went, I went to Half Life to get to get Counter Strike. I wasn't really interested. I was like, "What's Half Life? What's that? I want to play Counter Strike. Everyone's talking about it at school. I want to, I want to play this." And then inevitably, my fucking dial-up modem couldn't play it online. So I was like, "Right, this is no good." <laughs> so I bunged on Half Life, and I was like, "What is this? This is like the base game. I, I, I could figure it out in my head." And I was just blown away. Like as soon as I started playing it, okay, I couldn't complete it without God mode the first time, so that was that's fine. <laughs> but I just loved the the very open of this game. I fucking adore because the game starts with like you, Gordon Freeman. You just start on a monorail going into yeah. work, and I'm like, so weird. I'm like, what's going on here? You travel past like various sectors of of, of Black Mesa, and. You get an idea, you kind of start getting an idea of what this place is. You you, you get off the monorail, you check in at reception, and then like Mr. Freeman, they need you in the science lab or wherever it is. The, the yeah. scientists and security guards are just having like idle chat with you. And what I didn't really realise at the time, the reason why I was so fascinated with this is because all those quiet moments, that, that whole opening area, and this is something that goes on throughout the game, it's building the world but, but without me having to read something and for it to tell me and like spell it out this is a research for you are, like it, the game is doing it for me it's communicating all this stuff to me it's giving me this it's communicating all the, all the characters who who does what and that is something that I didn't really take in until I played it a second time properly when I was when I was when I was much older but you understand how Gordon fits into this place and that's done throughout the game like you, you do not have notes or collectibles to pick up like there's no None of that shit, no files and yeah. garbage like that. The whole thing plays out right in front of your eyes, pretty much uninterrupted throughout the whole game. And like you can wander off from the conversations as well. Like you, you've got the freedom to not yeah, listen to these just birds. Just in it, yeah. And that's the, the big thing for me. Like when I look back and think, that was just, that's incredible, really. And not having to just have everything spelled out and, and said to you directly was just. A, a really interesting way to build this world, and it's not a it's not a, a soldier story at all. It's a survival story. At the end of the day, like you're, yeah. you are scrabbling to survive, and they they mix in some brilliant scripted set pieces. The the AI with the alien, different types of aliens are all all very different. They interact and attack you in different ways, and then you've got the humans who felt more advanced. They would use tools and they would team up. Then we could hear them communicate, and it all felt ahead of its time even when I played it again later on and the one thing I always loved was the companions like you could you could ask like a scientist or a, a security guard to come with you and, and yes it, it resulted in their death most of the time because they they, they weren't cut out for it but yeah. it was always great just having like a security card with me I'd be attacked by like four head crabs he would get, get two of them I'd get the third one the fourth one would kill him and I'd be like well Barney, you've done your job there. Thank you. <laughs> and then I'll get a crowbar and hack him to shreds, and that'll be, that'll be yeah, the end. Yeah, that's it. 
but crowbar and the crap out of stuff. Even if you ignore the fact that it spawned Counter Strike, the, the mod office, which is now a hugely successful esport and still running today, like the game itself, it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's it's hard to like I say, it's hard to quantify just how how important it was at the time when it came out because to me, like I say, it did go so far over my head because it was so advanced. Like the the piece you were saying about the the narrative of it and how it worked was just again unheard of. It didn't it didn't babysit you. It gave you the option to talk to well to wander around, and listen to what people had to say, and pick up bits and pieces. And again, it feeds into that piece that we mentioned around Metal Gear Solid that you know it's it gave you the it the, it made the story important. You cared for Gordon. You wanted, like you, you genuinely felt for him when he was going for everything that he was. Because yeah. as you say, it was, a, it's a survival game essentially, yeah. and it is, yeah. I mean, the, aside from it being the first person doing all the jumping puzzles and stuff as well, which was yeah. so clever, yeah. which was so clever, considering when it was made, it's just, yeah, absolutely insane, absolutely insane. Yeah, I always loved the way that you would get health. And like um, your your hazmat suit, build that up. There were like little, um, little like kiosk things, bit built into the yeah. wall that you you walk up to and you'd you power could, it up. Yeah. And there's only a set amount in the wall, so if you like, if you had like ten health, you'd probably only get it to sixty and whatnot. Um, and you could you could build up the hazmat. Yeah, it's just like it's great. And I really want to play Black Mesa, which is the um, like the, the modern it's remake the of it, one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got it on Steam downloaded and. You know, I've been thinking of a stream project, and that might be the one. Like, to bung through that and see how how it, how it holds up today. I mean, it'd be interesting to play it in a more modern engine and 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 go back through it and see how it how it holds up. Because I actually played Half Life about the third time. It was a few years ago now. I like was talking like four or five years, but relatively recently in comparison to some of these games. And yeah, it's still great. <laughs> it's still great. It's still quite hard as well. Oh yeah, I mean it would yeah, it never claimed to be an easy game. It did it. It was um it was challenging as you say to even even the advanced gamers and yeah. I think because, yeah, especially for people who weren't used to playing on who had grown used to controllers. It was um it was one of the first ones that started to make PC gaming become I mean that and Quake I suppose were the two that sort of really started to bring people into it. Yeah. That's 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 correct. Right. Next game Still in 1998, stuck in that year. Unbelievable. Well, what a, what a silly year that was in hindsight. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, or Ocarina, I don't know what the correct pronunciation is. Um, you are Mr. Nintendo. Some have called you Mr. Zelda. Well, I think your missus is more into Breath of the Wild than you were. Yeah, but, probably fair. <laughs> but... Right. But I know for a fact that Ocarina of Time was definitely your jam. <laughs> so yeah. I'll let you take I mean, it this, away. This to me, I still like. I love all of the games that we've got on our our list to be inducted. But this to me is still probably my favourite game of all time. Mm. I think this game had absolutely everything. It was everything that I wanted from a video game. From the very, literally right at the start, the ridiculously, like in comparison to like the Metal Gear and uh, and Half Life, you know, it didn't have the advanced 
voice um, acting or anything like that. It was just no. silly little on-screen cutscenes. But this game was the the birth of kind of the the Nintendo Zelda reign. It had this game had absolutely everything. It was so clever, so well done. It it controlled magnificently the storyline absolutely suckered you in and pulled at your heartstrings it was absolutely huge so like when you're yeah. you, you start off as as child link and you've got three huge dungeons to do there and then obviously you go through the absolutely epic cutscene at the temple of time to become a teenage link and then you have to do the further six dungeons after hyrule's been decimated by you know the years and years of of um abuse from ganon it was just Oh, it's just absolutely epic. It's the Z targeting. I saw it was obviously played on the N64. Yeah, yeah. And it was the first game on that that had introduced like a uh, target lock, so you could lock onto an enemy, and then you the camera rotated behind Link as you moved around, and it just brought the combat to it was just so much better than anything I'd ever played in the past. Like all of the faults that had been with Super Mario 64 for ca like the janky camera that you couldn't control properly and you couldn't get in the right place it just eradicated all of it it fixed everything there was so many different items you had your different costumes for when it was too hot or when you needed to go underwater it, to, to me like I say uh, the music on it was absolutely unbelievable I, just, I, can't, I cannot I cannot say enough good things about this game it's absolutely and there's a reason that this is regarded on most review sites as the best game of all time mm. yeah there's many reasons there's, there's tons of reasons it's funny I remember I was watching um, so I played Breath of the Wild most recently out of all the, the Zelda games mm. and um <clears throat> I didn't. I thought it was good or, or decent. Like I think it wasn't like one of these. Oh, it's the set. It's it's like Ocarina of Time. I wasn't quite in that in that camp. Like it was good. Yeah. But it wasn't the second coming. I kept uh, ruining my swords. I kept breaking. Annoying. Wow. Annoying. Yeah, I couldn't repair it. And um, and then I remember I put I put games done quick on. It was they're doing like one of their their charity streams over a weekend one on. Someone was doing Ocarina of Time. And then I was in the in the little starting village with the, the little dweebs, I can't remember what they're called, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll correct me. Those little... The, the people from Kakariko Village. Yeah, those little um, punks. But what I immediately kind of realised, what I noticed or struck struck out to me was, it already, it, it just in that, it was like a minute's worth of gameplay, because he was out of there, because he was skating backwards or doing what they do to speed through yeah. it. But immediately, like, it, it felt... Like a, like a, like a Zelda game. Like it, I don't know what it was about Breath of the Wild, but just hearing that music playing and seeing that that, that, that little village, I thought, ah, this, yeah, this is what I remember from Zelda. Not quite what Breath of the Wild has done. And like I played Ocarina of Time most recently on 3DS. They've done that little, yeah, remaster slash remake type job on that. And even yeah. on a little diddy bloody 3DS, the game's great. Oh yeah, you can plonk it on anything. You can put it on fucking Stadia. It'll probably be the bollocks. Yeah, it was great. It was it was still good on, and they there was other releases of it as well. There was like the Master Quest version, which came out for GameCube, I want to say, where right. they they changed the dungeons and made them more difficult. 
So the people like me who had played it as a 10 year old and completed it as a 10 year old, then had it again. You must have cheated like, to get through that. You must have had a walk through at 10. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> I had, uh, I used to buy a Nintendo official magazine every single week and they released a little, like it was like an A5, or it might it must have been like an A6. Um, <laughs> scrap uh, thing <laughs> and it was you got you got a part each week right and you had to you had to buy like 20 weeks of course to get the, full, the full guide yes. i've still got them all i've still got every single one of them and i sat there with my brother and we just slowly plodded our way through this and i remember i completed it with him and then i completed it on my own and then it got to the stage where i was going around friends houses to help them complete it because they couldn't do it yeah and it, it was just absolutely it was absolutely epic and it was one that had loads of other bits that you so there was in the opposite to Metal Gear there was collectibles yeah, there was yeah. the golden skeletons that you had to go back and collect there was yeah. all the different items from all the different dungeons that you had to collect yeah. there was the option to get the the bigger on sword which most people didn't do nope. so everyone just kind of got the the master sword and assumed yeah. that was the best sword in the game but you could get a big two-handed sword but that could break if you didn't do it correctly and yeah. it was just like there was loads of little hidden secrets that meant that you could go back and you could play it and you could do different bits and pieces again and again and again and i mean like you say the speed runs on it of it for me are great fun because the game is just absolutely broken you can see <laughs> you can see how many shortcuts nintendo had to make when they were when they were developing it because of the the limited capacity they had on cartridges and the limited resource they had to work with the console and at the time that it came out and i mean that's just great it was it, it's great to see why things were done in the way that they were and like i say the the ways that speedrunners have found to break it to me is great yeah i mean one thing we haven't spoken about is that I know we had, we've had at this time we've had Super Mario 64 in terms of like a 3D you know game but really Ocarina of Time is the one that makes that a reality for people in terms of yeah. an, an adventure in 3D that plays well that looks well and has all these other great features to go along with it yeah I mean was it arguably you could say it was the first kind of proper open world game that you can was do about. It. Yeah. I mean you had to do although you had to do the dungeons in a in a certain order because you had to get items from each one, you you could explore as much as you wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you get you get a pony, you get your horse Ooh. and then wander around in the fields of Hyrule just doing whatever you wanted. There was There's a day night cycle. The day night cycle, the fishing competitions. Yeah. The there was literally there was there was so much to this game. There was so much for the time that it came out and it's just it was so, it's, again like when you like we say 1998 and you had Metal Gear Half-Life and this what a year for gaming that is when you look at this year mm. and what have we had so far well it takes absolute two pish. well yeah absolute fucking pish is what we've had what a fucking golden era of gaming that is yeah and like PC Master Race get, a, get their own game Nintendo get their own games. PlayStation yeah, get their about, own. They've all. I was just about to say that. Like that's three unique IPs across three different platforms yeah. that were. I mean, it just gave everyone a reason to have. Like it. I mean, I didn't have a PlayStation One, no. so I never played Metal Gear when it first came out because that wasn't the done thing, was it? Like no. we were, as you rightly said, I was lucky to have 
a console, let alone it be the most recent one, or having multiple consoles, like, of the different companies. You you were either a a Sega child that then evolved into, generally went into PlayStation, or you were like me and you were a Nintendo baby. And I had all the Nintendo consoles. And it's funny, like, like I say, what a time when you had all three of them come out that within months of each other. What an absolute... What time to be alive. An absolute luxury. That is. Be given the three of them together. That is. I want to touch on the dungeons because they're obviously a huge part of, of all Zelda games, but I feel like particularly in, in Ocarina, just like the progression that you... And, and the puzzles and like the... It will give you a little tool to work through and you'll have to use that tool in that dungeon to get past it. They start off relatively easy, but they crank up the difficulty. They make these 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 dungeons feel like events and then there's there's always a boss at the end to take down as well which has got a, a new spin on the mechanics you're you're constantly learning stuff throughout the, the the entire game i mean for me the like the water temple always kind of the water dungeon always sticks out for me it took me fucking ages to get through that and, and bearing in mind i was like adult like well into my 20s at that point i had, had, had more than enough You'd think intelligence to get through it, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I might have to look at a walkthrough here to get through this. I'm glad I didn't, but it was really giving me some grey hairs. Uh, I mean, some of the later ones, like you say, Water Temple. I mean, all the all the temples, Water Temple, the Fire Temple, Forest Temple. Yeah. There was the Shadow Temple where you got yeah. the Eye of Truth, which was just like mind blowing to me that you had this magnifying glass that you look through that showed your secrets. <laughs> That's it. it such a clever, so simple, but such a clever idea because at the time no one else was doing it. Of course they were. And no. Yeah, it's those those dungeons. Like, I mean, so as you mentioned earlier on, my wife has played um, all of the recent Zelda's. So yeah. she's she's played the two, the two on the Wii, the Wii U, and now Breath of the Wild on the Switch. And she's completed all of them. And when I say she's completed, I mean she's hundred percented them. She's absolutely sat down and really gone to town on them. Yeah. She tried to play the Legend of Zelda on uh, 3DS and gave up because it was too difficult. And it's just like it's a real testament to someone who who knows the franchise incredibly well, and is arguably probably better than I am at the combat, especially in the later ones. Yeah. But this just these were just so these were tough game. This was a tough game. Yeah. Majora's Mask was another one that was a tough. It was a difficult game. It was punishing, and if you didn't know what you were doing it was very I mean it was super easy to get lost in a dungeon for a long period oh yeah that's sweet and and really lose your shit over it oh yeah it was you'd just be running around in circles and then eventually you'd figure it out and think how how to not see that I mean at this point this is what the fourth or fifth Zelda that's that's come out we've had the Legend of Zelda Adventure of Link Link to the Past Link's Awakening then this um, do you think without the the jump to 3D, this would have been as this would be here as we speak about it? Because obviously the the ones predating this didn't have that option. The technology wasn't there, but they're seeing in many circles equally to have the same sort of design philosophies where they're very very clever games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's when you look through the the, chrono- the chronology of uh, Zelda games, it's hard to pick out a weak link. Out of, out hey, of no pun. Hey, they are just—they're just outright excellent games, and the early ones were incredible. Yeah. Like I played through, uh, 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 I think four, uh, sorry, three out of the four previous ones, 
and I've since gone back and finished the ones I think I've played everything now in the entire um, in the entire set yeah but that step up to 3D was such again it was such a huge leap because we'd never seen it on the previous consoles it was relatively soon after the Nintendo 64 had been released as you mentioned we'd had Super Mario 64 but there wasn't loads of of games that we'd had 3D like we'd had Star Wing on the um, on the SNES but nothing had really made the the leap like Super Mario 64 and this had and it just I mean it gave Miyamoto the chance to run wild and just do everything that he'd ever wanted to yeah. do he was finally able to put into a game and I think they just thought fuck it we're just going to put it all in yeah. we're just going to make one game that's absolutely ridiculous yeah. and it was it's yeah. it's absolutely uh, if anyone even has the slightest bad thing to say about this being on the this would have been top of my list mm. every single day of every single year this is always going into this hall of fame yeah and I would definitely not disagree with that it has to, it has to go in so Ocarina of Time deservedly makes its way in okay we're at the, the, the fifth and final game um, perhaps the most controversial well I would I think for our group particularly um, it's an unexpected one I don't think many people thought this would get in but via the system we did it, it here it is it, here, here it is um, it's not what paper would have wanted because we know that paper's He's an idiot is championing Guild Wars 2 running at 15 frames a second <laughs> um, he, say, he says it's not his PC, so it must be the game. I don't. Oh uh, well, there you go then. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out one day. But this is the this is the big daddy in the MMO space. Like you can't say the word MMO without thinking immediately in my mind to World of Warcraft. Now there've been MMOs that have come before this, and there's been plenty of MMOs that have come after this and still I would argue none are none are close in terms of popularity and definitely longevity as World of Warcraft now as someone who's only had a fleeting few hours or dozen or so hours on the game which is nowhere near enough I can't sit here and tell you exactly why that is but (laughs) there is something special about World of Warcraft it is it's insanely popular and still is and will remain to be for the foreseeable future how have they done this <clears throat> yeah i mean i am i'm much like you in a situation where i have played the game but to nowhere near the capacity that many have yeah that's required to understand the the even the to even begin scratching the surface of this game yeah. But, as you correctly mentioned, you li- you cannot think about an MMO without thinking of World of Warcraft. It's the first one that comes to your mind. The world that they've created, the lore that goes with it, the amount of games that have been a spin-off from this, the amount of games that have copied... Your lovely Hearthstone. Yeah, exactly. The amount of games that have copied what World of Warcraft have done in the attempt of even getting a fraction of the popularity that this has is just absolutely insane. Yeah. It's, and I've, I'm just looking here, like, it's grossed over, so 2017 grossed over $9 billion. That's 
just absolutely insane. That must just be like more than every other game ever put together. <laughs> like it's just absolutely mental. Mm. That is an obscene amount of money for a ga- for a game that's got a monthly subscription service. Yeah, yeah. Which, which let's be honest, a lot of MMOs don't necessarily ask for that. They ask for maybe a one up one up front payment or or something else, you know, or dedicated servers if you want to play, you know, doing whatever. But for a game to have that 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 monthly payment system, that barrier, is, yeah, that is, and it that is a huge barrier. It's to more the game than game passes. When we look and people say, "Oh, game pass isn't worth it," you know, for fucking eight pound a month or whatever, and you get. Six thousand titles, yeah. you know, or people that don't want to be spending sixty, seventy quid on a new game that's coming out on the latest consoles, yeah. and yet people are forking out x amount a month for World of Warcraft for the last fucking eighteen years or whatever it's been out for sixteen years. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy to me, and I. It's doing what it does better than anyone else does it. Yeah. I've I've seen plenty of documentaries, not on WoW, but on like the player base of WoW. <laughs> and the one thing that always struck me was that the game clearly at some point, or maybe always, broke through that kind of like the the niche kind of barriers that you put around it. So this is this is what a a, a subset of fantasy nerds. These are the amount of players that would play it because. This, no, like there's there's people who did not fall into that category whatsoever, that were engulfed and infected with this this particular game, and they're from all backgrounds. You know, there's, it's it's not just a you think a sweaty nerd in the basement. There's like there's 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 husbands and wives playing this together. There's people that have met through World of Warcraft and then gone on to have a relationship and marry kids and all that stuff there's, there's groups of friends that have, that have I mean we didn't, didn't didn't Dave say we found they found Phil in World of Warcraft sitting outside yes. a... yeah so many friendships made through a game through guilds through yeah. various bits and pieces like even super popular YouTube channels like I watch um, a lot of the Yogs well, I used to watch a lot of the Yogs cast mm. and they met through their World of Warcraft guild yeah. like these are, these are lifelong friendships that are getting made through this ridiculous game and I mean there's something to be said for that yeah it's just there's absolutely something to be said for that let alone the I mean Blizzard really I mean, what was their... It was, this was their first kind of... I want to say it was their first kind of major outing. Well, they've been knocking around on Nintendo consoles for a while. I always remember playing um, Lost Vikings yeah. and Rock and Roll Racing. But obviously that, at that time, there's no way of easily identifying how big those hits were. I just enjoyed those games. But, yeah, you know, wow. But this was their... Yeah, this was their their we're coming to the party to make them recognised as the game, as the company they are today. Arguably one of the biggest around, in terms of game development and game like they're they're unbelievable and yeah. that has stemmed from the success of World of War. I mean, how many of their games are spin-offs oh, no. of World of Warcraft? Like we oh, no. like we said, like Hearthstone, like Heroes of the Storm, you know, and even some of it flowing over into like the Diablo series and whatever else. They bring stuff in that 
that that cross contaminates between their games. There, it's all come out of this one ridiculous game. And what I, much like the only other company that I would say does a does almost as good a job as them, is is Rockstar in that mm. they continue to support the game and to update it. They've yeah. released an expansion every two years for the last. 14 years yeah. you know they have consistently released and released and released and they've raised the level cap and they've done obviously we've had WoW Classic that yeah. came out yeah. last year yeah maybe you know yeah. they to try and bring in another wave of players to it and you know even Wheel kind of said well maybe we should give it a go well yeah Dave, Dave went back to it because he was he was <laughs> he kind of all the expansions weaned himself kind of, off of it weaned himself and then they offered vanilla WoW and he was like well I have to uh, yeah, I've got to get back into that. I have to get back. So yeah, there's no sign of this game slowing down anytime soon. Like I know people, but like, oh, they they just lost a million subscribers. I was like, yeah, but they've still got four or five million. Like paying that every month, like it, crazy, absolute insanity. And what I what I also love about WoW, and I know we've said about like um, you know the people that meet through the games and bits and pieces, but like these stories that come up in game, hmm. like little things, like like Leroy Jenkins you know <laughs> yeah. that that was was came from a, it was a staged video of like people doing a World of Warcraft raid yeah. and it became a viral sensation and now he and then he was added to the game yeah. he's been added he's been added to the to Hearthstone and bits and pieces there was the story of the guys who leveled up just by killing boars out in the woods and whatever to make themselves a high enough level to do some of the higher higher grade challenges and whatever. So they were so overpowered when it came to doing other bits and pieces, just grinding and grinding and grinding. It became a South Park episode. Yeah. Like yeah. this has had so much impact into um like other other area aspects and areas of media and like I say, these stories that have come out of this game, I just think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think that's absolutely absolutely terrific that this is had so much of an impact on the world that we've grown up in. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, the, definitely the player stories, the relationships, and like the community surrounding World of Warcraft is amazing. I don't know, are you aware of the corrupted blood incident that that mm. happened within within WoW? Um, it, it's basically a virtual pandemic that that happened within within the walls of World of Warcraft. Uh, it only lasted a week or so. But they, they introduced a new raid and the end boss could um, cast people with like a um, like a hit point draining debuff. Um, it was contagious and it was, it was called Corrupted Blood. It only intended to last a few seconds like whilst you're in battle that you'll get it and be like, oh, fucking hell. Well, and it would only, yeah, yeah. it was supposed to only function in this kind of new area where the raid was. But... <clears throat> There's an oversight in the way they designed it or the way they coded it in that it allowed pets and minions to to, to suffer from it. it. And that yeah. carried it outside of the, the zone, <laughs> the like the, the intended zone, because they put it like only players can have it in this area, but they didn't think of like the minions and the and the pets. So over like the course of, of that week, like the this this pandemic basically <laughs> ran riot across Lower level players, like it was the higher level players, were fine because they had enough HP. But the lower level ones were basically oh, just dying, like getting, getting infected with this, with this, this corrupted blood. And people, like the the game shifted, like the player base shifted, 
and did what they could to avoid like infection from this. So there's there's a awesome there's a it's just like it's such a such a cool unintended bug no exactly yeah because it is because it is the mmo that it is it's not like it's a it's not a when you get like a bug like that if you were playing a single player game yeah that for example would become incredibly yeah you'd be so angry so quickly (laughs) But because it became an MMO, because it's an MMO and it started to spread and infect and become contagious, that's great. Like that's such a cool little unintentional bug. And don't get me wrong, I expect people are still were fucking fuming, especially the nougat players to the game. Yeah. But it's, I love the idea of MMOs. Yeah. I've just never, fa- I've never found one that oh, I've been willing to commit the time to. Nah, that's part of it, isn't it? It's not really. Yeah. And I feel like that's a thing with World of Warcraft, but there's there's no arguing the impact that this. And I think it's been, I think that's been the common theme across all of the five games that we've selected to go in to the Hall of Fame, mm. is the impact that they have had on the future of video gaming. Yeah. Post their release. Yeah, they've all trail. They've all set set precedent that others have had to follow and implement the ideas that they came up with which yeah arguably arguably have been the most successful versions of each of their their respective genres Mm. um you know it's just yeah it's it's uh, i i i'm a bit of a loss for words for warcraft because it's just it's almost too Massive yeah. to, compre- to comprehend for me as someone that doesn't play these type of games. It's just so much to it. No, I mean, there's things like the Alliance versus the Horde, which is something that you know you have to do as part as player base. You, they split the player base, saying you can be Alliance or Horde, mm. and that created a divide between the fan base. And that was like that's, that's the ongoing grudge to this day. Like, there's. Are you alliance or horde? And yeah. like it, it became a massive thing. And we haven't touched on the raids too much, but dozens of players required, lots of yeah. teamwork, lots of leaders cool. required yeah. in, within yeah. that to get everyone to be doing their job. Teamwork was essential. <laughs> and I know you you love the the destiny raids that are going on. Um, with the, the six, well, maybe maybe if you're getting through. Doing it with six people is tough enough. Yeah, and and it's it's not just having it's not just physically having six people that are willing to play. It's having six people that understand the mechanics and know mm. what's going on, etc., etc. And the WoW raids are just the same. They have yeah. complicated, in-depth mechanics to them that people need to be in the right place at the right time to understand what's going on. You know, you've all got to be well prepared beforehand. It's just. And they're doing some of these with like 40, 50, 60 people. Yeah. That's cr- that's terrifying to me. <laughs> Seriously. Like the idea of, of doing a, a Destiny raid with six people fills me with dread sometimes. And we're talking about having 10 times that amount to do a raid on, on Warcraft. And they can last for hours. Yeah. How do you even coordinate that? I don't know. There's some wizards out there. Absolutely insanity. Yeah. Well... That's it. World of Warcraft done. Five, as you said, excellent games that would be... I don't, I don't think we can be too much quibbling over those five. Whether they should be the first five, that's up for debate, because there's always this five, ten, twenty other games out there that people say should have done this, should be that. But 
I'm extremely happy with those five that we we've chatted through. Some of the some of the greats. That's why they're going in there. Super Mario Bros. Three, Metal Gear Solid, Half Life, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and World of Warcraft. I mean, come on, lots of bases covered there. Yeah, uh, having uh, I know at the beginning of the podcast we said there would be people that might potentially be upset having talked through all five of them Mm. can't argue with any of them you just can't I can't see how anyone would hear that any one of those five games has gone into the Hall of Fame and be upset about it they are five very very different yeah but all equally game changing um, titles yeah all worthy of their space in the dim digital video game hall of fame that's the class of 2021 so we're only going to put five in every year god that's going to be tough that's going to, i mean it took us a long time to get these five it did take a while and it took us even longer to then come out and do this but <laughs> yeah. it will get tougher well, as time goes on well this is it i mean because the yeah it's just <clears throat> i mean so many good games i mean we've got what they three years to choose from essentially yeah and beyond I mean that's just in our that's yeah. just in our lifetimes that's without going beyond into the the early 60s 70s games so you go back to the so, real yeah the, the real OGs then then we've got a whole other kettle of fish that we've got to have to worry about but yeah it's a very 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 good starting point yeah there's a reason why we only do it once a year and that's why it'd be too stressful because it's too difficult to keep doing it but I hope you guys enjoyed that whilst you know, if you're listening to this in time, like whilst E3 is going, I know it's all crazy at the moment, and you're all excited about hopefully all the new wonderful games. Hopefully, that have had some in. yeah, some big big release titles that have been announced. Yeah, but um, I thought it was like a good time to to celebrate some of the great games, and these are five of the of the greats, and they're going to to our personal hall of fame. Um, if you want to share what you'd put in for your first five, then feel feel free to get in touch. Various ways to do that: Twitter, Facebook, are the two main ones. Um, and if you want to support us patreon.com forward slash digital is one way to do it twitch.tv slash digital. you can uh, subscribe there you can chuck some bitties our way uh, or you can link your Amazon Prime to your Twitch account and then subscribe for free absolutely free baby um, and we'll get a little kickback of that spend it on some more bubbly which is all gone now thank the lot disaster that's that disaster Thanks for that whole enjoy no catch up with you again about some, some classic old good games, always good. And uh, everybody else that's listening or watching, thanks for your time. And ta-da! <laughs>